good Sunday morning. Welcome to another edition of Sideline Junkies Sunday Rise. It's me, it's me, it's the big guy KG hiding off camera for right now for various reasons, but I gotta hide. Um, sitting in with the undisputed, incomparable, uh, unmatched, unrivaled Midnight Rider. How you feeling this morning, brother? Good, man. How you doing, man? Good, good, good. Uh, just sitting here, I mean, you know, being as happy as I can be. I don't know if you watched Elim- Elimination Chamber last night, but uh, it, it, was, it was all right. That was cool. Then we had All-Star Saturday night last night, but, you know, the biggest news to come out of the weekend has to do with sports, but it's not doing – it doesn't have to do with what you think it has to do with, and that is what I like to call EB to DC as OC. So I know you got a lot to say about this, so I'm gonna give you the floor. No, I think um I think it's a good move. <clears throat> I think it, hopefully if he's allowed to do what he has done in the past, um uh, a it gives him a springboard. B it gives some opportunity to shine as a play caller, uh, and then C hopefully that makes this team better than the 25th or 26th best offense. Um, I mean, they have to fix some places. They have to fix the line. They have to fix quarterback. I mean, this year, their quarterbacks, I think on pro football focus, they're the 34th and 35th ranked um, quarterbacks. And, of course, we all know there's only 32 starting jobs. So that tells you just how bad um, the quarterback play has been in this city uh, for a while now. Uh, Also, this team has used three quarterbacks each of the last five years. So – EB coming here, hopefully. Um, it's a good thing. Hopefully we get a, a bump from this. But also the pessimist in me was joking around. Um, I think I sent a message to Chris Russell and him just joking about how, like, by week three, you know, somebody's going to be complaining about his play calling, complaining that he doesn't make adjustments and all that because that's just standard what fans do um, or the offense doesn't have any imagination. So I'm already – getting myself primed for that conversation to happen because it happens in 32 cities every every football season. Like, nobody's happy with their offense. It's the funniest thing. And that's crazy because we talk about Fairweather fans in D.C. and, you know, fans that just – they're never satisfied. Right. The team can be 6-3. and three. Oh, we should be – Nine and no, we shouldn't have lost this game if they would have called this play. If they would have called this play, okay. Let me ask you a question: What's your what's your background with play calling in the NFL? Oh man, I played two years of varsity football in 1964. Well, the game has evolved from that, brother. Like, what are you talking about? You you tripping? Leave it alone. Like when we were running the 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 uh, read option in 2012, and we were three and six. Man, they need to scrap that. We need to do this and we need to do that. They need to have RG3 thrown from the pocket more. But then when that thing took off and we won seven straight, everybody was like, oh, man, this is good. I love this offense. But you right. were just bad-mouthing it a week ago. Stop it. That's what I'm afraid of. That's the beauty of the fandom. I mean, week to week, the narrative changes. Um, your story changes. It was, you know, we had that stretch where they thought Ron couldn't coach and they couldn't do this. They go on the hot streak. Everybody's loving it. They're, um, what, six going into the last three weeks of the season. And then all of a sudden it falls apart. But before that, 
I mean, when we had that losing streak, there was jokes about, um, I think the Caps had like a five-game stretch, and they were trying to joke to say that the Caps might win more games than than the Commanders in that stretch. Something so so it always changes, and it's always funny to me how this happens and how we get to this place where, you know, all of a sudden week three uh, is a must-win ball game, and that's going to affect the whole season. Uh, it's just about context, and sometimes we don't have context. And see, that's that that's the big problem I have is people are com- fans. Let me not say people. Fans will complain about the way an offense is running, the way the defense is playing, and you're not looking at it. Like I had problem with – I had some problems with uh, Jim Hazlitt. And okay. I had a problem with the way he called defense sometimes because he used to like to call that zero blitz a lot. And I said, teams know it's coming because you call it at least once or twice every game. And every time you do it, you give up huge, huge plays. Stop calling it. But then on the flip side, he would call a really, really good game when it's down and it's tight. And I wouldn't have a problem with it. It was just certain plays. Same thing with Joe Barry. I thought Joe Barry could not call defense here at all. I couldn't stand what he was calling. And when he went to uh, Green Bay, same thing. I was like, it's Joe Barry. It's not the players. It's Joe Barry. He cannot call a defense. It does not look very good. But now you got Eric Bieniemy here. I guess everybody's expecting that first season. And if it doesn't happen week one in the preseason, everybody going to write the season off. Or on the flip side, if it does happen in the preseason, everybody going to say we're going to the Super Bowl, and I hate that. But if they're they're expecting – whatever quarterback we have starting, which right now is Sam Howell, to be Patrick Mahomes. They're expecting the receivers to be Juju and, and, and the Cheetah and Kadarius Tony, and they, 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 that's what they're expecting. We're not Kansas City. We're Washington. We're gonna have, we, we need to have an offense with an identity. We need our own identity. I don't want to be – anybody else but who we are that's it being anything else is it cheapens the game it cheapens eric Bieniemy's time here and i just know for a freaking fact if this team stumbles in any way shape or form they'll be calling the, the fan base will be calling for ron's head promote eric Bieniemy because ron's not getting it done i'm tired of ron and this that now people are already tired of ron but I'm like, he's done better. He did better than Jay Gruden. He's done almost as good as Shanahan. Shanahan had us rolling for a little while. But he's he's done better than Jay Gruden. He's done better than Shanahan. He's done as almost as well as Shanahan. He's done better than Zorn. You know, compared to what we had in the past, I have no problem with Ron. I hope they give him an extension. I don't know about extension. I think... I think he's more of a gateway because I think once everything else in the background gets settled, I think we're going to have some things come out in terms of new ownership and maybe giving him the rest of the season. And then they figure out what they want to do. Because I think really what Ron was, was the league's caretaker to try to bring some normalcy to a franchise that was basically just drowning in its own mistakes. All the stuff with the, with all the investigations and everything. So I think finally he kind of stabilized everything 
and then he's going to pass it on to the next person. I can see that too. I can see that. I just, I just don't like the narrative that I've been hearing where, um, the enemy comes in, becomes the head coach, and then they move Ron to the upstairs. Um, I just don't get why they would do that because you have two people that are already upstairs. So where would he go in that scenario? Um, and then B, I mean, just what's the what's the purpose of promote, bringing him as an OC then to give him the head coaching job? You're doing the Zorn thing all over again. Yeah, you complain about that. Yeah. So let's let's get him in here, see what he does, and then we figure out everything as we go along because you just don't know the whims of whoever takes over this program from an ownership standpoint. Yeah, and they they could come in. A new owner could come in. Let's say they come in right after the new league year, which I doubt. I'm just spitballing here because I know that's not going to happen. New league year starts in about three three weeks. It's less than, yeah, three weeks. Um, March 12th, I think it was. Here's my thing. New owner comes in, and they just decide to clean house immediately. Right. They they get rid of everybody because they already got dead. Once they, they, they that ink dries and that paperwork, they already got the guys they want. And it. And in mind, and they, they have already called them, and they're like, "Hey, we're gonna introduce everybody at once." And then, boom, they didn't clean the house, and everybody's gone. And then, that's another thing that I think the fan base is not thinking about. And this is the fear that I have. You go through a rebuilding phase every time you get a new court, uh, a new uh, coach. You had Ron. Ron took over for. Uh, Jay Gruden. You had to rebuild from that. Now you kind of sort of got some semblance. You got some great draft picks, a lot of potential. Only thing that Ron has not had that he's needed his whole tenure here is a quarterback, a solid quarterback. Okay. You kind of let let's say they get a quarterback this year, and then all of a sudden everything kind of falls apart because you got to start all over again. And then this coach say, well, I don't want Terry because Terry was never my guy. I don't want Dotson because Dotson wasn't my guy. You got to worry about that. You have to worry about that. I I think it affected me most with Jay Gruden when he came in and he said, you know, RG3 wasn't his guy. You know, he wanted Kirk. RG3 wasn't his guy. Uh, Darrell Young wasn't his guy. A lot of fan favorites that helped us be who we were under Shanahan later those weren't his guys. A lot of guys that, you know, were just hard workers and had all heart, maybe short on talent. I don't want to go through that again. As a fan, I don't want to go through that. I understand it's a business, but as a fan, I don't want to go through that. And I that's what I feel that the fan base does not understand. We're going to lose a lot of talent once you say, all right, Ron's out of here. Because next coach got to get their guys. I expect that to happen now with the enemy. I expect a couple of him to, you know, put together a grocery list and say, hey, if I'm going to do some cooking on offense, I, I need these groceries. Totally I just, agree. I just, totally I agree. just see that happening. Uh, but it's a little bit different when a coordinator, because the coordinator kind of has to deal with what he's got. He may have some influence in what they bring in, in terms of linemen and things of that nature. Um, but, I mean, the other thing that's going to be the, the big unknown is really just what can they do? Do we have enough um, money available to us to be aggressive in free agency? What's going to be allowed 
to happen while we figure out this coaching, I mean, this ownership, um, like what's, what's the, what's the deal? What's the situation? Is there a budget? Is there not a budget? Can we get the wrong paying sign? You know, things of that nature. So those are just the things that I wonder about um, up front. You know, <laughs> that money, being willing to spend money knowing that a new owner's coming in. I mean, Daniel Snyder could be like, hey, break the bank. We got the money, break the bank and do what you got to do. Or he could be like, nah, I don't want to spend nothing. Well, that's what makes the, the Ron Payne deal kind of hard because most of the time you have to put whatever that contract is, whatever that um, bonus money is in an escrow, mm-hmm. whatever his guarantees are. Mm-hmm. So that becomes a thing. That becomes the issue. Well, over overall, Eric B. Enemy, Eric sleeping with B. Enemy. Um, his grade move to DC. What what do you grade that? If you had to grade it on a, a normal grading scale, you know, A through F. I'd, I'd, give, I'd have to give Ron an A for being willing to go get somebody that's important. I mean, he could have been lazy and stuck with Zampezi, stuck with the in-house guy, and and done that. But instead, he decided to take the risk, um, be bold, and try to try to liven up this thing. And I did. I, I, I of course don't think it hurt any that um, Rivera, being the guy that coached under Andy Reid, um, found the enemy or found a way to get the enemy here. I think that was kind of. Um, one of those conversations that coaches have because of a connection and that ended up bringing about this situation. Uh, I would love to say, so it's an A for now. And then once we get into the season, I think I got to give another grade at the end of the season um, based on what he does. Agreed. Agreed. And I, I, I got to give it an A as well because we haven't, uh, we haven't went and got, big name coordinators like that. And this is a big name coordinator. And before we move on, um, my brother-in-law, my brother, he made a, a statement on our post congratulating uh, Eric Bieniemy to come into DC. He asked a question. He said, this is BS. Why not a head coach position? He's got a, he's going to a team that is up for sale and may clean house. And I told him, I agree. It seems he doesn't have a market as a head coach for some reason. I'm surprised the two coordinators from uh, Philly got head coaching jobs so fast, but really I'm not surprised. And I don't think Eric Bieniemy has a market on the head coaching carousel. I think he, as well as Jim Caldwell, uh, man, who else? Byron Leftwich, and I think it's a trend here. But I think most of those guys that have been said to be top coordinators and, you know, in this coaching carousel this year, oh, they're going to get a job and this, that. And then all of a sudden they don't. I don't think they have a a a, a, a market anymore. And I think Bienemy's window is closed for HC. But now if he turns Washington around, let's say Washington has the number three defense and number one offense and they finish uh, – 
let's call it 13 and four. And the catalyst is the offense. It's like a track meet. You can't stop them. I think then they'll start talking about the enemy being a head coach again, because it, it, you'll know he's the catalyst of that turnaround. So just a thought, just a thought. Um, no, I totally agree. I think um, being the coach in this league, uh, there's a window, and sometimes you miss that window. Uh, it's kind of like that in corporate America where um, you miss the chance that slither of hope uh, of getting the promotion, and now they are looking for something else. They're copying something else. Um, somebody else is the new hot guy, and that's the thing that everybody's copying. You know, they, you know, Sean McVay's success um, changed everything. Uh, Sean McVay made the young, the super young coach. A trend, and the enemy doesn't fall in line with that super young guy. Um, I'm gonna say it that way, but we know there's other factors involved. So that's just how I see it. How it went. I agree. I agree. But as always, we're gonna be keeping a close, close eye because this is happening in our backyard. So we're gonna be keeping a close eye on this because I don't. I I want this to be a success. I don't want this to be failure to launch. I want this to be a success. So, next topic of the morning: NBA All Star Weekend. Now, All Star Weekend consists of what used to be called the Rock and Jock Celebrity Game, a uh, lot of festivities, uh, NBA Jam session, of course. Um, I will get into that in in, in the next segment, but um, you, then on that's Friday. Then on Saturday, you have the skills competition, three-point uh, shootout, slam dunk contest, right? But they also used to have the uh, – man, what the, I can't remember what it was called, but you had the host city, a WNBA player, a legend, all competing. And and, and that, uh, that – it was like kind of like a skills game, but it wasn't. It was a shooting game. It was like the shooting stars competition. Yeah. And don't forget the the, uh, the rookie game on uh, Friday night as well. Right. This, this All-Star weekend was um, lackluster at best so far. It, it's like, does anybody get hyped up about All-Star weekend anymore? Great question. Um, I'm not particularly... Keen on it. I remember back in the day, since it always sold on Valentine's Day weekend, you know, you try to sneak what you could in, but you had to take care of if you were dating somebody or whatever, um, or try to get your plans done so you could see part of also um, the, the festivities. Uh, but now it's just, I don't know, it feels like the guys don't want to participate in it. And it's, it's frustrating because you see you see these guys, you remember what you saw in the All-Star game, what made you love basketball. And it feels like some of these guys aren't taking on that responsibility to keep the game um, alive in that capacity. I mean, we had a dunk contest with four guys that um, you really didn't know unless you were just a diehard basketball fan. You know, just with McClung, I mean, McClung isn't really on a the roster. They moved them up so um, to Philly. So it would, you know, have some semblance, but I mean, the dunk contest really, because we we've over dunked, 
the dunk contest does not really hold any value. And then the fact that you don't have any stars in the dunk contest, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't sizzle. Like if you told me tomorrow that the dunk contest would have Zion, John Morant, um, and two other guys, let's just, we can name whoever, just two of your other premier dunkers in this league. And that was the contest. You know what? Everybody be sitting in front of their TV. But now you got Matt McClung, um, Jabari Smith, or whatever the guy's names, uh, Sims. You just don't have names that attract people to the party. And I really don't even like the new three-point contest because you get a whole rack of money balls. Yeah. So they act like, oh, this guy scored this number. Okay. But he got a big – he got 23 in the first round, but – Jeez, you got 20, I mean, 10 points sitting there, you know, just in one rack. Yeah. yeah. And here's the thing. Now, Matt McClung, of course, I know who he is. He's a, he went to high school in Virginia. He had a mixtape of dunks, you know, just in high school, his junior and senior year, the kid can get up big ass hands and he can get up. Uh, He was also a Georgetown recruit. And he was he wound up being dismissed from the team and wound up transferring. Uh, he was dismissed from the team by uh, Patrick Ewing. And this is where I say, not to get off on a Georgetown tangent, yet when you had to dismiss three of your best players, yeah, nobody recovered from that. But he was about discipline, and I agree with Patrick Ewing on that. If you break the rules and you don't, you know, you broke a really, really big rule, it is what it is. You got to go. That's college basketball it's old school but it's college basketball we can't sweep that under the rug but McClung he was in the Lakers G League now he's in Philly's G League G League rookie of the year Duke can ball he can ball he's not just a donkey he can ball uh defense a little shaky but he can ball that's um, nicely yeah I'm trying to be nice but him being in the dunk contest and I looked over I was like okay Kenya Martin Jr that's what it was uh, 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 but I think Zion was supposed to be in the dunk contest, but he pulled up lame three days before. Say so he re-injured his hamstring. Okay. McClung and Zion. And I'm like, well, that was probably going to be your final right there. Was it going to be Jordan versus Dominique? Never expected it to be. Because here's my thing. When it comes to the dunk contest, as much as I love it, I mean, that's supposed to be the piece of resistance of Saturday night for all-star weekend that's the 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 main event that's the showstopper right but you don't you got guys that are way more athletic than they were 30 years ago but they pull off these dunks that they haven't practiced and they can't hit them like mcclung hit every one of his dunks the first time everybody else not so much so it, it but it loses it loses its luster because you don't have guys that <sighs> athletic 6'10 guys. You're 6'10, 6'11, and you're in a dunk contest. It doesn't have the same. Right. Oh. Now, Larry, what was Larry Nance? Larry Nance is 6'8, 6'9. Right. But he could jump out the gym. Larry Nance could touch the top of the backboard. However, you got guys now that are 6'11", 6'10", and they're, oh, well, he put his head above the rim. Well, he don't have to jump as high as everybody else. Let me see a guy that's 6'4", 
that's going up and kissing the rim. And that, that that's a dunk that nobody does anymore, the good old kiss the rim. I haven't seen anybody do that in years. But the scoring system is flawed. You know, it, that right there alone has hurt the dunk contest. True, very true. Think back to when Blake Griffin was in a dunk contest. And it, I forget what dunk it was. He didn't actually dunk. He just threw the ball in Dwight Howard, too. And they gave him a 50. And I was like, yeah, that's not dunking. Um, The props and everything, I love it. I was reading an article a little while ago. Uh, Sean Kent was talking about um when Blake Griffin jumped over the hood of the Kia. He said, well, if he would have jumped over the whole car, it would have been better. And I, I, that's not even the car. The Kia wasn't even the car that uh, Blake Griffin wanted to use. The NBA made him use the Kia. He was going to use something else. And Sean Kemp was like, if he, it, it's cool, but if he would have jumped over something else, it would have been better. And I think back to those 90s dunk contests. I think about Larry Johnson. I think about Sean Kemp. And I always call it dunk that Sean Kemp did. I call it the poetry in motion dunk because I used to watch the slow-mo every week. However, it's not that exciting anymore. And the three-point shootout, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Good morning, Thomas. And I'm glad a former Hoya won last night, too. Local kid. That's the be- That was the best part of the weekend so far for me. I, I agree. I agree. And that three-point shootout, oh, we can't get. Okay. Dame Dollar. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, what's my man down in Atlanta? Uh, Trey. Um, Trey Young. Yeah, Trey Young. Both Splash Brothers. That's your three point contest right there. Those are your top now. And um, uh, uh, was it Halliburton that lead yeah. the league in threes? Yeah. That's your five right there. Now, see, my thing is, you can be a volume shooter. You can take four, five hundred threes all you want. The question is, are you hitting them? If you're hitting them out of four, let's say. 400 threes and you're hitting 300 of them you need to be in this contest no if ands or buts about it your most athletic players your john morantz your zions matt mcclung was a good addition um who else is a good i i always felt that lebron james kind of cheated us because he threw his hat in the ring and i always wanted to see him compete in a dunk contest and he was like yeah i'm putting my hat in the ring and then the next season he's like no i'm not gonna do it uh, uh. but things like that and then you got uh who else we got man they said uh they offered kobe tracy mcgrady lebron james and somebody else a million dollars a piece to compete in the dunk contest and they all turned it down well, it depends on what point in their careers they were at too i think they were all prime we're talking prime when they were running the league and Thomas says that would be fine. What he just said next year. Yeah. Get all your top three. I mean, Steph Curry, I know he's hurt right now, but it should be no way in four hills. He he don't get the Larry Bird treatment for the three-point shootout. Like he missed this year. And then, you know, you get a Dame Lillard or you get a, a, a three. Well, there are no three-point specials in the NBA no more. And then you get that kind of rivalry that, wasn't really a rivalry, but the trash talking. When uh, Craig Hodges won and 
He said, they said, do you think it's tainted because Larry Bird wasn't? And he said, yeah, Larry Bird knows where to find me. And Larry Bird said, yeah, <laughs> at the end of the Bulls bench. That right there, that type of trash talking, you know, the guy walking in and saying, all right, who coming in second? You know, these are the things that we're missing. Then let's, let's not talk about the skills challenge because I noticed the, 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 um, the way the skills challenge goes, whoever's the host team, nine times out of win, nine times out of ten wins the skills challenge. Team Jazz won last night. Uh, Damian Little won three point shootout, and can Matt we, McClung. Can we stop getting? Um, can we not do the Anna Kumpis or Auntie Kumpis family in in this event every year? <laughs> Goodness, Auntie Takumpo. Yeah, whatever. Well. I mean, I mean, if three, I mean, because only one of them actually plays. The other two, I mean, it's just, it's just to me, it just feels like not enough guys that actually play participate in the weekend. Even, even the celebrity game was was there. I was trying to figure out who some of these people were um, when I opened up the thing, and maybe this is you know us being older and not being um, in on pop culture, but. I was reading off the rosters for the celebrity game, and I was like, who cool. ended up having to look up 20 of the 22 people, it seemed like. Mm, mm, mm. I know? feel the same. And <laughs> old man shaking his fist at the clouds. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, um, who else was in there? Um, I don't remember seeing the WNBA player. Maybe they're not using them anymore. Which is a, um, which is which uh, will be great marketing for the WNBA. Uh, what else? I'm trying to think. They had two ex, a couple of ex players. I saw Richard Jefferson get in for a little bit. Um, Carlos Boozer was in there. Um, you know, DK Metcalf kind of stole the show with his dunks um, and his athleticism. I was a little surprised that Calvin Johnson didn't get a dunk or anything. Um, but it's just I don't know. It just it just seems like the level of people that they're getting has dropped and. I just worry that we're losing, we're losing that umph because maybe the players don't do as much as they used to. So now everybody else is not doing as much. I mean, not committing to it. You know, I'd rather deal with Kevin Hart. Um, you know, annoying me and annoying and involved in everything. But at least you know you had something. You had yeah. something to entertain you. And I just yeah. felt like this really didn't entertain. And. Thomas says, uh, yeah, that type of play from our era will never happen again. Remember what we talked about a couple weeks ago? All these AAU players are good friends, so no more going at each other because they're friends. Sad to see. You are absolutely right. And that 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 is destroying what we love because the crazy part about it, there is no – it seems like everybody wants to be buddy-buddy. Now, I'll be buddy-buddy with you after the game, but I'm going at your throat from tip off until that final that final horn that's the way it's supposed to be friends or not like i'm trying to win like i, I gotta i got something to accomplish and even all-star weekend it's crazy i didn't even think about the celebrity game like that is bad whatever happened the format that they use for the uh rookie game you don't even really have really good rookies anymore to just use it i mean you, 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 not taking anything away from these rookies. 
but it's not like it was in 94 where you had a Grant Hill, you had a Jason Kidd, you had Penny Hardaway, you had names that you knew because you watched these guys between three and four years in college. So you knew they could bowl. Like you get guys that come in now as rookies, you be like, who? They play where? Oh, well, he he averaged 15 minutes off the bench uh, at such and such school, and he averaged uh, nine points a game and, you know, seven rebounds for one season. Okay, he was a freshman. All right, all right. What did he do a sophomore year? Oh, he committed he uh, committed to the draft after the freshman year, and he was the number nine pick. How the fuck were you number nine? Nine points a game gets you to be number nine? Overall picking the NBA draft, that's the case. Hell, I miss my window. We were talking about windows earlier. I miss windows because I could average 10 points a game if I am if I know I'm going to be nine, uh, the, the number nine pick. I'm going to be a lottery pick. I don't have to put in no work. I just go off pure athletic talent. Yeah, I'm, that's exactly what I'm doing off this camera. <laughs> but I don't I don't know. The, I don't know too many of the rookies. I'm with you on the celebrities, the guys that were in the dunk contest. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't know none of these guys. You know, I knew, of course, I know Kenyon Martin Jr. Um, of course, I knew Matt McClung, but everybody else, I was like, who? Right. The three point shootout you had, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, uh, Buddy Hill, Dame Lillard, and I don't, I, I don't know anybody else. I, I didn't really pay attention to the rest of it. I was just like, uh, okay. I think Jason Tatum was in it. Yeah, but he was. Is, is Jason Tatum really Jason Tatum's not really a three point shooter? Why is he in that? He he is. He, I mean, that's part of his game. I think this season he's concentrating on driving more than shooting the the buck the um, the jump shot. But he, I can see, I can see him as a person that you would fix in this um, ball in this match or this contest. I think, um, like I said, I think the only thing that concerns me is we've done some of this stuff. We've messed it up ourselves to some extent. Um, because if you look at all these camps, these guys go to some of these, um, tournaments, you know, all these places have dunk contests and things of that nature. So you're seeing dunks. It's like, we've almost bombarded ourselves with so many dunks. And now like a guy's got to go out his way to do something that's going to, you know, wow you. Uh, so that's the, I think the part of it too, is like, it's almost a little, the, the regular dunk, if somebody goes up in windmills, you're just like, eh, you know? Like, I think we've, we've become numb to certain parts of this, of that contest. So some of it is self-inflicted, some where the players don't participate. But then this other part where we've done it so many times that you, you're not seeing anything special. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because you see – a 360, you see a windmill, you see that all in game. And Kenny Smith used to always say that when guys did it in, in game, he said, Oh no, that's an in-game dunk. You see that in games all the time. And now, pretty much, you know, unless you got Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine going at it, and I would love to see them go at it, but they won't they won't join back up. Well, Zach Levine, I mean, Aaron Gordon got uh, a reason not to because he's been done dirty the, the the two times he was in it. Hmm? And it goes back to that what you were talking about, the scoring system. Yeah. You know, um just the way they scored it just doesn't there's no consistency. And then you just you just see see dunks like what was that? 
won the dunks last night. Um, Carmelo gave a guy like a 46. It was definitely a 48 or better. But, I mean, maybe he was just being hard on a guy, but it's just stuff like that, that that's annoying at times. Um, when you know a guy has earned a good dunk and have a 48 or a 49, and somebody's like, ah, nah, or or maybe they have a bad angle on it. I don't know what it is, but it's just it, it's just annoying that it's not better taken care of. And, you know, speaking of Carl Malone, so many people were outraged. <clears throat> and Thomas say Gordon got cheated. Yeah, he did. He most definitely did. Uh, so many people were outraged that Carl Malone was even in the building. You know, and I, I've seen so many TikToks. Oh, did you know that Carl Malone did this? Did you know Carl Malone did that? And I always ask people, I'm like, what have you been doing? Have you been living under a rock for the past 25 years? That's been common knowledge for years. For years, what he has done. What he told his son when he met him. That's been common knowledge. You know, as a basketball player, I respect him. I think he's the second greatest uh, power forward of all time as a human being. I really don't bang with him like that. You know, because you you told you find out you got a son. You tell him, well, it ain't no point of us having trying to have a father son relationship. You know, that ship is sailed. You made snide comments. Overtly sexual comments to. uh. Kobe's Kobe. wife, Vanessa. And Kobe actually told him, stay away from my wife. And it's, 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 it's so much questionable, so many questionable things Carl Malone has done off of the court. And I'm surprised that anybody's outraged. Why are you outraged? We, we, we know this. You know, this is not this has been public knowledge since the 90s. You know, his his uh his twin uh son and daughter, his his uh daughter, WNBA legend, Cheryl Ford. You know, she's an absolute legend, but she's distanced herself from him so far. So this is uh, people being outraged and it, it, it's crazy. And Thomas said, yeah, just what Carl did because they're playing in Utah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I don't know. May, I mean, I guess, but they'll have Carl Malone there. But I, I don't know if John Stockton was there. I didn't see him, but I guess you can't have John Stockton there because he made some things. He made some comments about, you know, vaccines and mass mandates. And I guess that's where they draw the line at, you know. Statutory rape, you know, we'll allow that. But, oh, you made comments about the, 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 the vaccine and everything. We got to draw the line there. We got to distance ourselves from you. I guess that's how it goes. But moving right along uh before we move on all-star saturday night grades i love grading things i'm gonna say a hot c minus at best yeah i, I give it a c as well last segment of the night favorite all-star game memories the game is tonight uh Team uh, 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 Team James versus Team Antetokounmpo. Yeah, and I, I think that's that 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 sums it up where it is. Um, LeBron, I think this is his 19th straight All Star game. No, are they doing? I know they're supposed to be drafting the teams, so I guess they're doing this rec league style and drafting the guys before the game starts. 
Damn, I thought they did it already. I thought they dragged hold on. Because I know I know you got the guys from the east and the west. Um let me see here. Cause I mean shit, you would have to have it done before now. I would love to see um it go back to East West. Yes. Yes. I think that's where some of the robbery came into place where you had you got to see uh Barkley with a bird. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a magic with um a Stockton, um, a Garnett with a and then you know, I mean, then you can do this this format like once every four years or once every so often. That's how I would like to see it go. But favorite all-star game memories, I think the one that sticks out the most for me is the one that was in DC where AI just took over and dominated like that fourth quarter. Um, that was just a, a great display. Uh, another, of course, for me would be the, um, I think that was 92 when Magic came back mm-hmm. and was the, um, the MVP. So that would be another. And I'm trying to think if I have a third that sticks out. Oh, um, Kobe's last. Mm-hmm. When LeBron smacks the floor and then Kobe scores on him. So, yeah, I just – the All-Star game is, is, is a good thing. I like it. I just wanted the old format back. But, again, that's me shaking my fist at the cloud. And uh, Thomas says he gives it a C as well overall for that All-Star game. He said, yes, agree, C. Uh, so we all on the same page, and I, I love that. I, I love that. Um, I got to agree with you, 2001, that All-Star weekend was great because All-Star Saturday night, well, All-Star Saturday, I was actually in the convention center because it was held at Capital One Arena. This is the old convention center, not the new one, the old convention center. We went there and that NBA jam session, um, they had a section of, what were they playing? What they playing? They were playing 2K on the Dreamcast. Then they had live on everything else, but the, the, the lines were so long, I couldn't destroy nobody in live that, that year, which was okay. That was all right. But um, what was it? Uh, such great memories just from that jam session because I walked through and these kids were running through and they knocked over this dude's card table. And myself and BJ, he told us, he said, hey, if y'all help me straighten up these cards, y'all can take whatever y'all want for free. Wow. Oh, all right. <clears throat> okay. So we helped him straighten up the car. He said, man, just take what y'all want. I think I got a Scotty. I got my first Scotty Pippen card. I got uh, three Jordans. I got Jordan baseball cards. Um, what else did I get? I got a lot of great cards. And I still got them to this day. They're sitting right at my feet in this book. I've, uh, of course, I keep them, keep them put away. So that that has to be my number two. My number one all time is always the 96 All-Star game. Because I don't know. I felt I felt like I was there. Because that's my favorite All-Star game. That's when uh Jordan brought out the all white um, 96 Jordan. Well, I call them by year, but I think they're the, what are they, 10s? I think that's what they are. The Concords, but they were all white. Uh huh. And 
that's this is when Jordans used to come out in three different colors. You had the black and white pair, the all white pair for All Star Weekend, and then the all black pair the second half of the season. That that's when you only had three colors. You didn't have yellow and purple and and suede and new buck. You didn't have all that. You had three colorways. That was it. But that's always one of my favorite because that was Jordan's return. And also the greatest season ever had by NBA franchise. Uh, 72 and 10 because uh, 73 and 9 don't have a ring to it. Um, but that that's my favorite, of course. And, uh, number three got to be 2003. That finish could have been epic and storybook if it wasn't for Jermaine O'Neal. Jordan hits the fadeaway in the corner on Sean Marion. Game's over. They're not even trying to, trying to, you know, do anything. Jermaine O'Neal flies past, fouls Kobe. And everybody, everybody from both teams just looked at him like, what are you doing? What, what, what are you doing? Just, ah. Uh, it was crazy. Um. Thomas says, yes, sir. Washington, D.C. All-Star Weekend was lit with AI. Yeah, AI, AI went off that game. He did. He AI went, went off. Weekend. Uh, well, I can't speak for the rest of the weekend. Oh, man. This is a story. He was up like 72 hours. Um, and then, boom, played the game. Um, I The one thing I remember was I think D.C. Live was like almost 200 bucks just to get in the joint. It was ridiculous because they had market so like all the clubs were kind of like connected. And it was just like this big plaza. Yeah, man, that that weekend, oof, some babies was made that weekend. <laughs> and Thomas say, I work at the Four Point Sheridan, got the yellow Kobe uh, gear from the A and One Mob Boy. It was lit. Hey, that that's always great, man. See, and but and it's like. 2001 and i always said hey we need to bring an all-star game back to dc because dc has glowed up in the last 22 years so it would be a way different experience i know it's going to be more expensive but be a way different experience but on top of that the amount of players that you saw just walking the street sightseeing and they yeah. hey how you doing and they would ask questions like normal tours i mean it wouldn't be like that now i think everybody pretty much got security but just guys were just here to have fun. And that's what All-Star Weekend has always been about. It's always been about coming into town, going to a couple of parties, go to a couple of charity events. Um, just actually having fun. Man, I just, I don't understand why Utah was a choice of any. What is there to do in Utah? What is there to do? Second out, you, know. oh, you can't can't dog Utah out. Did they get a new arena or something like that? I mean, it's, there's always a reason behind them putting place putting events in places to spotlight certain things. I guarantee you, Utah's not a party town. When they had it at the Thomas and Mac Center in, in, in Las Vegas, I understood that. I said things are gonna get out of hand up there. Like when they moved a Pro Bowl up there, I said things are gonna get out of hand because that's a city that never sleeps. When you have the All Star Weekend in New York. I think more celebrities come. Everybody wants to go to New York. You have it in Atlanta. Even when they had it in Chicago, it was pretty damn good. You have it in places that are known for their nightlife. 
DC would be one. Uh, hell, you could have it. At, well, ain't nobody in Jersey no more. You could have it in Brooklyn. You could have it in the Mecca. You could have it uh, down in Florida. You know, in Orlando or Miami. You could even have it in New If they would have had it in New Orleans. Go have go have uh all-star weekend in new orleans that's mardi gras time right somebody it's nothing but parties everybody gonna be out there partying and you 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 mean to tell me you want to get celebrities and, and and guys to come have it in new orleans have it in new orleans at that time and this is mardi gras time it's nothing but parties baby what everybody all they want to do they want to party they want to shake their ass you go to a couple of charity events you go shake your ass <laughs> you know that that that's that's it uh thomas says uh yes indeed we need another dc all-star weekend hashtag move them i agree with that he also says ski is utah but <sighs> who really going out there to ski this weekend i mean everybody want to everybody want to party that's what this this is a big party the boss bj says can't have it both ways at least the nba is willing to have that all-star game in more than eight eight rotating cities well that's true that's true you know hell you can have it out in california you got have have it at the staples center i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry it's not even the staples center anymore have it at the the crypto dog center whatever the hell it's called um you could even move it to Sacramento. You, it's so many cities oh, that you can have it in. I think LA gets one once the um whatever the arena is that the the Clippers are building. The second that arena debuts, it's going back to LA. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. <clears throat> I can see that wholeheartedly. And you know, I, I think about what the boss BJ said, and that's looking at the NFL. They rotate the same eight cities for Super Bowls. You got California, Arizona, Florida, Atlanta, New Orleans, Dallas, a six, Vegas, Vegas, a seven, Minnesota, Minnesota. That's your eight city. Those are the eight cities that you have a Super Bowl at. But those also the eight newest arenas outside of New Orleans. And I said Atlanta too, because Atlanta got a new arena. Right. They have yeah. Mercedes Benz. Vegas has their version. And then of course Scottsdale or Glendale, Arizona has their new stadium. Well, it's not exactly new, but their stadium now. So it's, it's always the places to kind of state of the art. Yeah. yeah. And BJ says Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta just got their Mercedes-Benz Dome. And the crazy part about it, they tore down the Georgia Dome. And the Georgia Dome wasn't even 25 years old when they tore it down, I don't think. I think it may have been it may have been 26 years old. Like yeah. they tore that building opened in 93. And they tore that thing down the building. I'm like, damn, that's how y'all doing it down in Atlanta? Oh, okay. Well, at least you got that happening instead of watching the stadiums just get old and decrepit. Like, poor RFK. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it was used for everything. Um, everything from 
baseball to soccer to um, old timer games to NFL games to soccer, everything. Yeah. And the crazy part about it, you had MLB all-star games in DC, you know, you just like you had them in Baltimore, but I'm guessing, you know, before the end of the year, we'll, we'll be able to ride down 295 and look over to the left or right, which if you're going north, you look over to the left, you're going south, you look over to the right, and it's going to be nothing there. And I think that's going to be heartbreaking. I'm hope, I hope I'm not driving at that time because I'm, I'm going to boo-hoo cry. That's a part of my life. And Thomas, Thomas says they need to rebuild RFK, no lie. I've been saying that for five years. Redevelop the site, turn it into another stadium, make it state of the art. Do what you have to do to attract more people to come to D.C., but also you get Washington back in D.C., bring them home. But D.C. has a mayor that does not want to play ball. And I always say if Marion Barry was still living and he was mayor, Washington would have never left D.C. But And that site wouldn't have sat there that long because he would have found a reason for it. Shoot, they don't even have a farmer's market in the daggone parking lot no more. So, you know, it, it's it's a lot. But, you know, that's a, another story. Like, we could sit here and talk about RFK for hours. Yep. <laughs> and the ball's Yeah. He said that makes sense. So they're going to do the complete opposite. You're goddamn right. No, nah, I'm not going to bring jobs to, to, to my city that's hurting for jobs. You know? I mean, this is the same city that a historic school like Spingon that sits empty. You you could do something with. We got how many homeless people living in shanty towns and tents all over DC, downtown DC. You mean to tell me you can't say, hey, let's put some work into this and turn that into a homeless shelter? I mean, but you know, I digress. I'm not gonna get they into just, that because they did just build one or have one that they just opened up to take. Um, what was that? Uh, I think it's. Was- I don't want to say MacArthur Square. I don't want to say the wrong site, but it's one of the place, one of the tent towns. Um, they actually cleared it out and put most of those people in um, the new shelter they built. Okay. Well, that, that's that's some sort of semblance of good news. Uh, but I mean, we could go on and on about ways to spend money. I swear, the the correct ways to spend money. Uh, Thomas say especially because the city got Easter market money after it burned down. So the city has money. Oh yeah. They got big money, but if they were smart, they could have more money because you could bring in, think about this. And, I, and then I'm gonna leave it alone. Cause I keep saying I'm gonna leave it alone, but I, I, I can't, <laughs> but think about this. You build a new stadium, a dome stadium, retractable roof, whatever you want. Washington comes back. Washington's your main tenant, right? If you can hold an all-star game here, you think about holding a Super Bowl in D.C. with that with that roof closed and you have the accommodation with all the new hotels and Airbnbs and everything they got in D.C. You got room to accommodate all these people. The traffic's going to be hell. Um, much love to the Uber drivers and the taxi drivers and the Lyft drivers because y'all going to make some money that week. Uh. You mean to tell me you would turn down booming, booming business for every merchant, T-shirt salesman, DJ, 
Everybody makes money hand over fist as well as the city. If you do this, this is an investment. And then maybe five years later, you get to do it again. Come on. Come on. Come on. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm, 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 I'm just. Uh, I'm just thinking right wise here. And, and and Thomas say, no, nah, this is a great subject, brothers. Yes, it is. Because I feel like those of us that live in around D.C., those of us that grew up in D.C., we got cheated. Really, really, really cheated. So uh, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, any final thoughts before we go? Um. Yeah, I was so desperate for football that I watched the XFL last night and um. Outside of them, just not really. I mean, it was it was entertaining. It wasn't good football, but it was at least enough to keep your attention. Um, so I think I watched the first game. Um, Vegas was playing, and Vegas just gave tried to give the game away. And I think they did end up giving the game away. They had like three interceptions, two of them returned for touchdown. Um, so it's good to see the format back. It's good to see. The NFL has a place where they can try things out and see if it actually works. Because I really think that's the main reason the XFL came back is the NFL can kind of work some kinks out and try to get a better setup or get try to find ways to better their game and introduce some of these safety precautions with um, without damaging the game. So like the kickoff where the guys line up at, I think it's like the 35-yard line, you can't move into the ball as court. Um, that also encourages more returns. So it's just one of those things, and the players can't move until the ball is court. So if they're worried about concussions and things like that, these are some of the things that I think they have to take into play to figure out what we can do to keep football as close to football as we possibly can, but also try to manage some of the stuff we talk about that we claim we care about. Um, but until you give me a uh, a full roster on Thursday night football where you don't have any actors. I just really don't believe that they care about player safety, but that's just my soapbox. Well, you know, that's betting odds for that. So, you know, that's why you have an injury report. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, I don't mind the injury report. I just think it's a little um, crazy that you're telling me that it's about player safety, but then on a short week, I still have to declare seven guys inactive. Whereas if everybody's active, something happens, you don't end up with like, I don't know, running back playing quarterback, or maybe you don't end up with um, a team having to play like an offensive lineman like that's hurt, have to bring them off the injury table and wrap him up and put him in a ball game. Like you don't, you got to make the pool bigger so we can take care of these guys better. And until they start doing that, I don't, I won't take player safety concerns seriously because I just don't think they do. I understand. And uh final thought from Thomas before we get out of here. He said, uh, you got the casino here, the outlets thing, how this could help the school and the homeless programs. <laughs> you preach it to the choir, brother. We've been talking about that since this podcast has been ex- in existence. Just how they, they, they kind of just dropped the ball with this, but look, we're going to have to revisit this. And I think we, we need to dedicate a whole show to that again because something's got to be done and maybe our voice to get heard if we speak loud enough maybe our voice to get heard but 
we're gonna get up out of here be back on tuesday um we got to talk caps on tuesday they done lost four straight you know just don't have the bodies yeah and i i'm i I will see what happens in the next couple of days. And then I'll ask, is it time to hit the panic button? Um, shoot. Pitches and catches should be reporting. What in the 20? They're there. They there? Yeah. I, okay. So spring trainers get ready to ramp up. Uh, of course we got NFL all season. We got the second half of the NBA season to talk about. And we got a lot to, to cover as well as some shows that we have pinned for when we don't have nothing to talk about. So we're going to have something to talk about. Maybe the Midnight Rider can finally tell us what's your beef with Eddie Jones. We'll see. (laughs) But until then, that's the Midnight Rider. I'm the big guy, KG. We don't do no overtime, y'all. We are out of here.